Hey everybody, on this uh, week's edition of Guys Talking Sports, we're going to get into the playoff bubble. Um, the first two games that I've played, how do the first seeds in the East and the West look? Let's talk about college football, the mess that is, and um, what's going to happen now that the Pac-12 Pac and the Big Ten are not playing. And also we talk about the Washington Redskins' new hire of the first um, president, a uh, man of color. That's some jokes and a little bit more on this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports, where is me and my two boys, three guys, as always, every week, cracking jokes, talking shit, and talking about some sports. And trust me, there is a lot of stuff going on in sports right now, um, even in the pandemic. So before we get started, I want to introduce my boys, Al and Big Cat, aka Ace, aka Big Sexy. What's up, fellas? How's it going? You know, I just realized that I, I, I want a nickname, too. <laughs> no, I was just playing. I'm doing good. You know, everything is good here. So I'm ready to get started talk about everything that's going on in sports right now. I'm just hot. <laughs> that's why if you see my little glisten, my brother's sweating. But, you know, I'm going to cool down. But probably not until after the show because we're going to talk shit and we're going to crack jokes and because that's what we do, so. Exactly, and that's exactly what we do. <laughs> yeah. So let's get right down into it. This past week and a half has been real interesting. Um, college football is a mess. <laughs> the um, basketball playoffs have started. Uh, Major League is not as messy as it was the last couple of weeks, but um, let's start right off with um, the NBA playoffs have started in the bubble. Um First round is on point, um, and obviously, as we know, um, the number one seeds, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and Los Angeles Lakers, both took them L's. Um, so, guys, um, based on what you've seen the first two games um, um, going so far, um, have you seen anything that surprised you, and did the Lakers and our Bucks losing surprise you at all? I'll go first because I know the resident NBA, you know, analyst, and uh, and now I was gonna kind of break it down for you. I'm gonna yeah, he ain't gonna talk about the Nets, but you know, we'll right, right. No, I'm gonna talk about them too. Net so, <laughs> but they played better in the second game, but they still still lost. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, Milwaukee and LA both played kind of suspect going into the eight games. Well, within eight games leading up into the playoffs. So them both losing didn't surprise me much. But let me see what they do in these next two games between the two of them. If they come out and play flat or if they come out and get the same lethargic type of uh, attitude that they gave, then uh, I don't see them – I don't see either series going past six games. Personally, uh, LeBron did what LeBron did. He gave his typical triple double, but he, I don't think he played to his full. He didn't play like he was trying to take over and be the man. He tried to be that dude that still got his points, but got his rebounds, got his assists. Because I think he had 16 assists in the game, which is great. But uh, Dame Little ain't playing like that. And 
props. I know the weeks leading up into the to the bubble and, and the eight game playoffs, and I'll be giving Dame Dollar a bunch of shit. Oh yes, <laughs> you know, and re- I give respect. Respect is due. My man is balling. My man is putting his money where his mouth is, and he's leading his squad to doing what he needs to do to at least get to the second round. I can't say that Portland's going to win it, but at least he's doing everything that he said that he wanted to do to give his team the opportunity and the chance to make the playoffs. You never know. Lakers to turn around and win four straight. It's possible. But I tip my hat. I tip my dome. I wipe my dome to Dame Dollar because he's out there doing his damn thing and respect. As far as Milwaukee's concerned, uh, Gianna showed up. The rest of his team didn't. <laughs> uh, let's just see what they do in the second game. <laughs> um, all right, first things first. Um, the most out of these games – all right, elephant out the room. Let's, let me say this about Brooklyn right now. All jokes aside, um, first game they didn't show up at all. Second game they came with a lot more effort. Problem is, is that at the end of the day, um, and this is not on more, it's just more of the matchups, the lineup. You can't have um, Kuruks playing as a backup center. Um, and I'm, I'm speaking this for Brooklyn, for the Brooklyn Nets. Jacques Vaughn needs to play Dante Hall. Jacques Vaughn needs to play Jamal Crawford. Like, you have these key pieces. Dante Hall should have been the backup center for Jared Allen. Jared Allen is going to do his thing. You know what he could do. But Dante, Dante Hall brings a defensive presence that can anchor that backup defense. Until you do that and control those things, the offense is going to be there in some way, shape, or form. Um, Castlevery, even though he did do his thing, um, his jumpers need to be a little bit better. Joe Harris is going to get his – I mean – we're dealing with the people that we have, but you got to utilize your whole team. Like, you can't just utilize certain bits and pieces because they haven't, you know, because they've been there before. So I'm not going to get too much into it. My point is, is this. Brooklyn has the the, the, the tools to turn it around and make it a, a, a even series. But if they don't get their act together by game three, it's already over. They'll be swept. Unfortunately, that's how it is. Um, Toronto is playing great basketball. Let me get to this out the way. The Orlando Magic came to play. The Orlando Magic came and did exactly what Milwaukee Bucks should have been doing. Not Giannis, per se, but the whole team, per se. They didn't come with no energy. They came with a lack of effort. They act like they're, not, they're just going to coast through the first-round series. If they don't get their act together quickly and show and prove in this series, they will lose this series in either six or seven games. Orlando Magic is coming to play. The only thing that's going to stop Orlando Magic is themselves. If they start missing shots, if they start – Stop doing what they did in game one, then it's going to be a short series. They'll be in five games. I said this before about the Lakers and the Blazers, that the Blazers was going to give the Lakers trouble. Regardless, it's going to be a six or seven game series. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If the Lakers don't work on their outside shooting, if they're not hitting outside shots, it is lights out. They're not going to be able to stay in this series at all. And I will say this, too. The coaching, I don't understand the coaching method. Like, you had 
um, KCP in there for 29 minutes, but yet he only scored one point. He was 0 for 9 shooting. I mean, I get the fact that you have certain pieces that you play for the playoffs. J.R. Smith didn't even play a single minute in that game. Deion Waiters only played one minute. Like, you have shooters there that can shoot the ball, but you didn't even give them the opportunity to get you out of this series. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Portland is hot. Portland has been playing game sevens for the past week. If Portland don't – I mean, right now they're the hottest team in the NBA. So – if the Lakers don't get their act together, I don't care if LeBron James is on this team. I don't care if Anthony Davis is on this team. If their shooting is not in place, if Danny Green, if Deion Waiters, if not if J.R. Smith, if none of those people are shooting outside shots, it's going to be a difficult series for them to win. And they better get their act together quick because Portland is right now is already playing like Western Conference Finals basketball. They're trying to make them – they're trying to show and prove. And <laughs> – Ace is right. Like, Dame Leonard and them are playing for keeps right now. So the Lakers need to get their act together. And if they don't get their act together shortly and fix their outside shooting, they're not going to make it in the first round. And if they don't make it in the first round, I don't want to hear no more talks about LeBron James being the best player in the NBA, hit period. If they don't make it in the first round with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I don't want to hear no more talks about it. Bottom line. Like, that argument is squashed to me. Yeah, I think um, there are going to be some people that's going to going to make some um, excuses. They say, oh, well, he didn't have Avery Bradley. Oh, he didn't have uh, Rondo Rajo in his first round. If they don't make it, I still ace believe that with you, that they're going to – Lakers would do it. They'll probably do it either in six or seven games. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if the Trailblazers – can do it for um, can win four straight or win four out of the seven, but they're definitely going to get two. I think, in my opinion, at least two. Um, but yeah, I mean, there shouldn't be no argument about you know the goat. If LeBron James can't make it out the first round, there's going to be people that's going to apologize, saying it's the bubble. They were on a run, you know. Once the pandemic hit, it knocked them off their flow. Whatever. Everybody's still there and everybody's doing their thing. Um, but I will agree with you. Um, the shooting needs to be better. The defense is just horrid. AD for the Lakers, get your ass on the block. <laughs> You're doing nobody, no benefit sitting out at the perimeter shooting jumpers. LeBron doesn't need you out there. He needs you down on the block. What he needs is Avery Bradley and Ronda Ronjo out there. They're missing the point guard, and they're missing somebody that has some experience. Now, I don't believe Rondo is going to make it back to this series, but – um. They can definitely use his help, but you're right. Uh, Portland Trailblazers have been playing, you know, they've been playing March Madness basketball, period. <laughs> definitely. definitely. Um, the Lakers look <clears throat> like they just locked up their um, their number one seed and have just been coasting the entire time. They're not even – it's like they're sleepwalking. In that game, um, LeBron James might have to do a little bit more, but it reminds me of those old – Chicago Bulls series when they'll just get that one team that just matches up with them really, really well, and they just have a tough time beating them, and it takes them like, you know, five, six, maybe even seven hard games to win. Um, Portland Trailblazers with Nurkic and those bigs, they give them a really, really tough time. Um, AD's size doesn't, you know, neutralize that team per se because they have bigs 
that can go with them with um, Nurkic and Whiteside. And trust me, when I was watching that first game, and those bigs was giving AD a lot of problems. He had his points early, but that fourth quarter, he only had two points. You can't have two points in the fourth quarter. You just can't do it. So um, I do believe the Lakers are probably going to win this in six. If they go down 2-0, woo, oof, it's going to be very, very rough because Dame is just pulling up from a little bit behind the arc. And the Ooh. last team that the Lakers had a problem that shoot deep threes like that, they couldn't. he couldn't beat them except, except a lucky finals a couple of years ago where he just got the benefit of a bad call on um, Draymond Green. However, but I still think he's going to win. Milwaukee Bucks, I do believe they'll win. I think this last game was an aberration. I think they just wasn't prepared. I think they'll come back. Um, but I'll, I'll say this about your Nets, Al. Um, they didn't come to play that first game. I think they're going to do better next year once they get Kyrie and Durant. But I think some players on that squad can't stay because you saw some good players that once they got the chance to really show their stuff and had, they had the ball in their hands, they were putting in some work. Um, it's not enough ball to go around. Kyrie needs to have the ball. Durant doesn't always need to have the ball, but he likes to have the ball, you know, when it counts. It's not enough ball to go around in the net. Somebody's going to have to go. Well, I don't know. Well, I'm I'm, going to be honest with you. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I, I love Spencer Dinwiddie. I follow him on social media. I'm I'm a huge fan. But he's a point guard. And he, they could get, I mean, if I'm Brooklyn, I see them pulling a deal where they can get some assets for him. Um, to be honest, it was a, it was, it would have been between him and Karis LeVert. Um, I think that Karis LeVert, I don't know if Karis LeVert, to be honest, um, did enough where KD and Kyrie is like, that's my third star. So I would not be surprised if one of those two was dealt during the offseason. Um, I mean, which would be unfortunate because they're really – that would be destroying another part of the culture that Brooklyn has. But I digress. Um, I'm very – because, um, to be honest with you, some of the players on in, in the Brooklyn Nets um, that are playing in this bubble have really surprised me. And they are playing with a cheap contract. So I could see – I could see them keeping some of the, 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 the two-way players or some of the players that have been shown improved, like – um, Castlevert may be too valuable to give a, I mean, to, to keep at this moment where they could find assets trading him, just like with Spencer Dinwiddie. But, um, TLC number one, they're going to keep him. I would, I, I would be highly upset if they, if they get rid of him because he, to me, reminds me of Paul George, the younger years, and he has what it takes to on a cheap. Um, like he's playing, it's not even like a million dollar type of contract, but. The point is, is that they're figuring out who they're going to keep and who they're going to get, who they who they feel as though it's tradable going into next year. Um, I think this is really just their evaluation period, not just with the players, but with the coaches. But, but, but okay. Um, why couldn't you keep a Dinwiddie? Um, and Levert, you, the, I think those are your cornerstones with. Kyrie and KD. 
along with your bigs. I'm like, I'm not. I'm like, okay, go ahead. Hear me out. Mm-hmm. Hear me out. So why can't you play Levert, KD, and Kyrie at the same time? Maybe put Le- maybe put Kyrie, have Kyrie as the off point, but the point. Let Levert bring the ball up, and then let Kyrie orchestrate the offense. And then you're running some small ball, but then you have your bigs playing the, uh, the four and the five. But then, if you need to pull a, pull uh, Dinwiddie out three, four minutes in the game. And then have Dinwiddie come in and run with the second team. I'm just waiting for you. I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, I... I, I didn't know if I you were finished with the question. I didn't know if you were No, I mean, it's not even so much a, a question. It's more like a scenario or a situation. That won't work. Oh, I... I okay, please. And, and, and no, I'm just saying, like, like Smooth said, because it's too much, you know, it's not enough ball to go around. And but 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 Dinwiddie would uh, would need to understand that if he's starting with the two of them, that he's not the focal point. I mean, yes, he's a third option or he's a fourth option, but you know, we're we're playing, we're starting you, and you're going to be pulled within the first three or four minutes of the game. But you're really coming in to supplement the second team offense that comes in and run that team. When Kyrie and KD are on the bench. If I'm him, if I'm starting to get pulled by three minutes and I don't want to, then trade me. Because <laughs> then why even keep me in for three minutes if you want me to run the second squad, might as well be the sixth man off the bench. I get what you're saying. But technically but you are the sixth man, but you're still getting that starting role. You're not going to want that. No. Like, to be honest, the coaches wouldn't do that anyway because they need that that first – whoever's that first unit, they need to stay together as camaraderie. They need to build their chemistry up when they're out there on the floor. Um, it wouldn't make sense to, to to disrupt the first unit by taking Dimity out if he's in the first unit. So um, if he's going to be majority part of the second unit and the six-man off the bench – he has to accept that rule and come off the bench. He can't start at that stage because that would mess everything up chemistry-wise. Um, but even if that was the case, the, the issue is is that it's all about the chemistry. And it's all about who, at this stage, the culture is is virtually gone. Um, you don't have Kenny Atkinson there no more. You have Jacques Warren. And... You, based off of the culture, it's whoever at this stage, everybody knows that who it's whoever KD and Kyrie want to play with at this stage because now you have those superstars on the team. So if, if or, or if whoever is on that team now feel as though that they're not going to get the opportunity like they used to have. So if Spencer Dinwiddie, for example, is saying that, hey, look, you know, I know Kyrie and KD is, is their team now. Um, I'll I'll accept that role coming off the six off the off the bench and be the sixth man. He may accept that, or he may not, and say, you know what? I feel as though I could be a starter someplace else. I need you guys to move me, or if I'm a free agent, I may have to look somewhere else where I'll get a better opportunity to showcase that I can be that starter or fill that starter role. So there's going to be people. Um, 
I have a feeling there's going to be changes, a lot of changes that a lot of people might not going to be too happy about. But, you know, they know it is what it is at this point. This culture is changing, bro. Right. But we also understand Kyrie's injury history. That is true. But see, and this is why I say, like, with Spencer, it's, uh, it's, I can't really tell because let's, truth, I mean, truth be told, he did it when D'Angelo was on the team. Um, and he was running, he was starting. So he was fine coming off the bench to leave the second union until D'Angelo got, D'Lo got hurt. And then he was running with the starter unit and still was doing um, well. He was doing, you know, he knew that he could fulfill that starter role. And then when D'Lo came back, he knew that he could revert back to that bench because he was okay with that. It all depends on if they're okay with where, what their roles are. And I can't, I mean, if Karis LeVert is the type of person where he's okay with being the third scorer off of this team, then it shouldn't be a problem. But there's other players on that team that may feel different. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, the fact of the matter is, like, I feel for some of those people that are proving themselves now, like Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, because let's be honest, as long as DeAndre Jordan is there, DeAndre Jordan is going to want to fight and 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 vote be vocal about being the starter. He felt as though that he wanted to be the starter. KD and Kyrie will prefer DeAndre as a starter, so Jared Allen is going to revert back to the bench. It's it's the nature of the beast where you don't get that opportunity like you used to have in Brooklyn now. Well, I think that's a good problem for the Brooklyn Nets to have because obviously when you're going to have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving coming back, you're going to have some assets which is going to be able to, A, either bring you some additional pieces to help put around um, Kyrie and, and Kevin or some pieces where you can, you know, use for draft picks, which can help, you know, build up your roster and your bench, you know, moving down forward. So yeah, I'm the Nets. They're in a very, very good position. I mean, without question, without question. Personally, I would not have wanted Kyrie. I would have wanted Kevin Durant and kept um, D-Lo. Uh, D-Lo, yes. Yeah. I mean, but the problem would have been that it would have been difficult to keep Kevin Durant if you don't have Kevin Durant's players there. Correct. Correct. But I thought that D'Lo had proven himself over there in the Nets, and I thought he fit better in that system than Kyrie does. Kyrie's – the best system that Kyrie fit in was in Cleveland. (laughs) Yeah. And to be honest, I mean, I mean, I know we, we shouldn't be keeping you talking about Brooklyn, but to yeah. be honest, that's when they brought KD and Kyrie in. That whole mindset of the culture changed. And the culture of the young players and them playing together and everything was what lured them in. But once they came into the system, you knew that that was going to change immediately because Kevin Durant and Kyrie, play, Kyrie Irving are not those type of role players that fit the net system when they had D-Lo and Spencer Dinwiddie because everything was so free-flowing. Now you're going to have more isolation with Kyrie and KD, which will in turn disrupt what Nets were building originally. So we'll see. Go ahead. But if I were those two, if I were those, if I were the young guns of that squad, I would have to understand that KD and... Damn. Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie. Yeah, there we go. KD and Kyrie maybe give you two or three years. Can you sit there and swallow 
two and three years of playing time, knowing that y'all are still pretty much young, and by the time that they're there and gone, y'all will be in the prime of your career. Can you sit there and swallow that to be the nucleus of that team to identify, you know, to identify and become a culture of winning to then lead the Nets to be the next uh, next elite team to go in in 2023. Maybe not even 2023. Well, yeah, I guess. Well, no. Maybe 2022. Because I don't see Kyrie or KD staying there more than two or three years. They're not the type of players to do that. If you can sit there and swallow it, <laughs> this is your squad. But then y'all gained all that championship experience Going into it, well, I doubt it. Right? <laughs> no, I said I doubt it. I mean, that's that's a real flower rosary picture of everything you know going is good. But you know darn well how these pl- these new players are of this day and age. They gonna want to go someplace where they can get more playing time, where they can get more money. Um, they're, I mean, some of these players that have shown themselves that they could you know do more you know, are not going to want to sit there and just sacrifice two or three years. Anything could happen with injuries or something where another team could be calling with more money, more playing time, and you might be in a better situation like D'Lo did. I mean, D'Lo could have, they could have tried to find a way to keep him. He would have been third banana, but he ends up at Golden State. Didn't quite work out the way they want to, but I don't know. I don't think that those guys have it in them to just sit there and just, sit there and stay for two or three years when you might have other opportunities out there where you can make more money and contribute more to a team and just staying and hoping that after two or three years, the Nets might want to keep you and not draft somebody to replace you and then trade you someplace else. And that's the bottom line because we have to understand that you may sit quiet and for those two years, but who's to say that the team, the players, the superstar players will want to keep you there? They're going to willing, like, they're going to be in the bug in the ear of general managers. So they're going to be like, this dude ain't doing nothing. Let's see what we can do to package this dude to get some more pieces. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. When have you ever seen Kyrie or Katie to be those dudes? In regards to what? To, to, to sit there and dictate who the hell they want. Uh... That's what they just did when they brought in DeAndre Jordan. Ooh, they oh, did that in free agency. And okay, if they that's, did that's that free agency. But if they did that in free agency, they will dictate in free agency who to keep and who to get rid of, who they like, who they prefer to stay to play on their team, or who they will get rid of. They did that with Tayshawn Prince, who is still on Tayshawn Prince? Yeah. Tayshawn Prince. Sorry. Torian Prince. Um, he came aboard because he's Katie's one of Katie's boys. Like there's there's favoritism in regards to people who they want on their team. Like don't don't get it twisted. And if they want people on their team, whoever is there that's there currently, they will replace them to get that person on their team. They know what they want. They they they, they don't don't get it twisted. LeBron knows what he wants. They do the same thing with the Lakers. They brought yeah, in people. That's LeBron, though. No, 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 no. See, and that's yeah. See, and this is where this gets. Any star on that team has preferential treatment. Carl Anthony Towns 
was pushing for it for the longest to get D'Lo on the team when um, Kyrie came to Brooklyn. But instead, Brooklyn made a swap with Kevin Durant with D'Lo, D'Angelo um, Russell. And then D'Angelo went to Golden State. Then Cat was still pushing to get D'Lo to come to Minnesota, where he's at now, because they're buddy-buddy. Don't think for a moment that these stars know what they're doing. If they want somebody on their team, they will move heaven and earth to get someone on their team. Kawhi Leonard moved heaven and earth to get Paul George out of Oklahoma City to be a part of the Clippers. So if yeah, they but, want... But, but the rumor was Kawhi wanted Paul George to come to Toronto. Yes. I didn't want to give up uh, Siakam. Yes. Paul George. Yeah. No, so, but... So, so there is instances where the GM is like, fuck you. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. But clearly, but clearly the Clippers GM didn't say fuck you because they gave up a lot to give Paul George. I'm just, a I'm heck not, of a lot. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. I'm just saying that there are some GMs out there with some balls that sit there and stand up to their star players and say, look, I know what you want, but I know what's better for this team. Does, does Brooklyn have a GM like that to sit there and say, and that's where Sean Marks come into play because Sean Marks is going to do obviously. I mean, this first. I mean, to be honest, free agent when KD and Kyrie chose Brooklyn, and they was like, "Yo, we'll take a cut to bring, if you bring in DeAndre Jordan." As soon as they said yes, and we bring in DeAndre Jordan, that's when you knew that the stars already knew whatever the stars want. Sean Marks was going to do no matter what. Uh, I mean, they already had it because as soon as you said, as soon as Sean Marks said yes. We'll do whatever it takes to get, you know, if y'all want to take a pay cut, we'll use that money to bring in DeAndre Jordan. So as they had that, KD and Kyrie was like, all right, so we know that we could come to you if we want somebody. We know pretty well that you're probably going to do whatever it takes to bring them here. So that's, that's just the nature of the beast with superstars. Yeah, let it's me read in there because I don't want to spend too much. Yeah, time we are time spending way too much time on Brooklyn. <laughs> time I, that was not on. That was not on me. That was not on my doing. But, but you know what though? It's cool because we understand. It's cool because you're a Brooklyn fan, and it's all right that we sit there and talk about Brooklyn, just like we could talk about San Francisco, just like we could the 49ers, just like we could talk about the Giants. Yeah, yeah. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. I, 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 and to be honest, I appreciate it because the longest we talked about Brooklyn, so uh, <laughs> I'm cool with that. But I digress. They're still down 0-2 to the Toronto Raptors. And like I said before, if they don't get their act together and start utilizing defense more and stop playing the small ball lineup, it works on offense, but it doesn't work on defense. If they don't block it down defensively, it's going to be a short series. And Toronto, to be honest with you, they have what it takes right now to move it at least to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, I, I I think Toronto will make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I think they'll make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they'll make it. Um, I think they'll, oh, is the Boston Celtics in their bracket or on the other side? Mm, um, Boston is in their bracket, actually. Uh, I take that back. <laughs> I take that back. Boston is playing too well and too great right now for them yeah, not to make it. Boston's playing too great or the 76ers just got too much shit going on? No, Boston is playing great. And they the 76ers have... are playing like... Yeah. Well, they're not playing like trash, but the Celtics are are better. Yeah. And the thing about it is that I think the Celtics is going to continue to improve because when Gordon Hayward comes back, 
They still got Kemba Walker. They still got Jalen Brown. They still got Jason Tatum, who's playing at an all-star level. Four weeks, though. And, and to be honest, I, I say this about this, because at this stage, anything can happen. And I will say this because being that it's been a shortened season, a shortened, and the playoffs is just now starting, I would not be surprised if there's a lot of, there's a couple of upsets there to make. I would not be surprised. Well, it will definitely make the um, the playoffs and the bubble real interesting. Um, I have an opinion that both first seeds are actually going to make it in, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if one does and one doesn't. Um, yeah. So if one doesn't, I will probably say the Milwaukee Bucks. But at this point, I'm thinking they're both going to eventually get their acts together and make it in. Um, and I'm mad because I didn't get a chance to, to watch the Utah and the Denver series, which is a very interesting um, series going on thus far. Yes. Um, so moving right along, um, college football near and dear to Big Ace's heart. Um, we all know the Pac-10, this the Pac-10 decided to uh, um, postpone their season to the um, to the spring. Um, Big Ten postponed their season to the spring. Um, North Carolina, um, they decided because there were a lot of kids on campus to switch to remote learning um, for a week, or I believe for the remainder of the of the semester. semester. I, don't know. I think I think it I'm is gonna... the remainder of the semester. However. Um, football will still be played. The college football team is still on campus. Um, so to me, this is laying bare everything that we've talked about over the last couple of years about amateurism in college sports and the player athlete, um, excuse me, student athlete that they want to call it. So in your opinion, guys, um, do you think this pandemic will lead to any shift and changes in regards to how student athletes are viewed upon? And do you believe anybody is going to uh, offer any money to these players? Not now, but within, you know, the not too distant future. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I, at this stage, I, I, I don't know. I mean, because with everything that's been going on, with all this that's been going on, like, it just seems as though that it'd be a perfect time for all these talks to come out and something to actually get done. But now, after this being, you know, with the college football season, half of them, you know, not not even being canceled or postponed, um, I don't know if everything is going to get done right away to the point where, they're going to be, there's going to be actual talks, not just talks, but actual movement in regards to student athletes getting paid or having a voice at this stage. Because it, it just seems as though that everything is right now is just stuck in the talking stage, but no action is really taking place in that regards to the next steps. So I would not be, I'm, 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 I'm hopeful that something happens where there is a change where student athletes we all, I mean, everybody's in agreement at this stage that student athletes should deserve some type of compensation for this. Um, but the question is that when is it going to get to that next level of talks where there actually there's movement behind it? Um, I haven't seen like no petitions or anything of student athletes or people signing where it gets to that next level. So I, I'm just at a point where this is just going to be continuing to be nothing but all talk. 
and then football is going to resume once everything dies down, and then nothing is going to come good out of it but just the talk. Me? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, uh, starting this season, players can get paid off their likeness. That's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have that opportunity going for them. Now, obviously, for every star, there's about 30, 39 stars on the team. But depending on where the players are and where the team is located, you may have a handful or a good, a good amount of stars just because a college football team might be that state's professional team. So you might find that you have more than a Clemson where they have Trevor Lawrence and one or two other, you know, one or two other guys that sit there and get the lion's share of uh, endorsements for themselves when they can use their own likeness versus, say, uh, a Connecticut where is this Connecticut? We don't know who those players are, but they might have a handful of pretty decent players this season that might get targeted to say they can get paid. Mm-hmm. It's not fair, but it's something. It's better than nothing. Sure, I agree sure. with you. Do we do we want to sit there and pay pay these athletes? The coronavirus is a is a prime example. You know, college football right now is dictating a bunch of conferences, some Power Five, some G Five, some lower level conferences to go ahead and play college football this season, mm-hmm. just because they know that. If you're a less a lower level conference, you can sit there and get paid by a power five school to come in there and, and get your ass kicked for four quarters and, and make out five between five hundred thousand and a million dollars to come in and get paid. Vice versa, you know, TVDs TV deals are still TV deals. So despite having a small percentage of people in the stands, you still got TV revenue. You still got all these different things. Despite everything that's going on, what does it tell you? These kids, though we want to sit there and err on the side of caution to sit there and say, we should be more protective of the kids and we don't want to get them exposed to this virus. But the bottom line is these kids love football more than anything itself. They're willing to sacrifice their body, their health to play football. And the university is like, well, if they want to sit there and play, we can go ahead and get these millions of dollars and we can sit there and supplement the income of the university, blah, 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 blah. Uh, will it ever get to a point where college football players will be paid? I think a discussion will be made uh, in haste because of this pandemic. Because you got players like the Big Ten, you got five or six schools right now that are willing to pay at any cost, just so they they can play, and that's telling that you know they're sitting there to say I'm willing to jeopardize my health to play football. So that's what does that tell me? <clears throat> that they're the minor league of the NFL. I don't know if the NFL needs to get involved. I doubt it because then they're not really in any am- amateurism that's within college football. But somehow, some way. Likeliness is going to be one thing, but I think the, these players will turn around and get topped off. <laughs> well, 
no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> they'll get topped off to get paid outside of likeness for their services. So right now these players are playing because they love to play. But the pandemic is going to expose a lot of different things. Yeah, I think within the next one to two years, these players are going to start getting paid because those – I want to say that some kids may get exposed, some kids might get sick, some kids may be on the football team, and that's where the lawsuits are going to kick in. And college football is going to have to sit there and sit there and say, do we pay these athletes? What are we going to do? And that's where the whole thing is going to really start taking action about uh, yeah, I'm to- I totally agreeing with you, Ace. Um, you know, you do know the Power Five conferences are the driving force that drives college football. I mean, you do you do have the other conferences, but really, it's the Power Five that really moves the needle. And if you really want to be honest, it's really SEC, Big Ten. Excuse me, SEC, Big Ten. And a little bit of the ACC, which are the the real people, the real conferences that drives the whole thing, college football wise. Mm-hmm. ACC and Big East, maybe basketball, and maybe throwing, you know, you know, Big Twelve, Big Ten, but really in college football, which drives the whole show, basketball and football, SEC, Big Ten, and ACC, Pac twelve, and you know, the you know, big you know the Big Twelve is kind of in there, but we all know who runs it. Which is, which is very interesting. Why, SEC they didn't cancel anything. Um, on the Big Twelve they ain't canceling anything. Um, ACC they damn sure was gonna cancel anything. Now North Carolina is interesting because they said that all the students can get the heck off of campus to do remote learning, but you guys are gonna play football. Yes. So basically, it laid bare pretty much what this is without actually saying it, but we can all can see it. They're saying that college football is what drives revenue for all of these schools. And mind you, all these schools that don't heavily rely on college football to, you know, to operate. Now, some of those schools that don't necessarily heavily rely, like a Stanford necessarily, you know, doesn't necessarily rely heavily on college sports or college football to operate. But those schools that do, wanted to open, whether it's, you know, power five or non-power five. So um, there was an opportunity here, I think, for the college football players to really stick it to the power five conferences and the NCAA. Um, I understand Justin Fields' proposal. I think he had good points. I think his proposal and what he's trying to do was a little bit misguided. If anything, what he should have said is that if you want us to play – we're willing to take the risk and we're willing to not have the universities worry about the liability, but you got to pay us. Cause that's really the reason why the big 10 and the PAC 12 decided not to do it because there was too much liability. They didn't want to pay that money. Yep. But if the players in Justin Fields, anybody said that we want to play, you pay us, but we'll waive the liability against you. Guess what? Big 10 to be playing PAC 12 will be playing everybody be playing. You know what they would do? What North Carolina did 
And I wouldn't be surprised if a couple other schools that do have some cases that pop up, let's say like Alabama or Auburn or a Clemson, if you get 20 kids to test positive, I wouldn't be surprised if they come around and say, all you kids got to get off and do remote. But the players, they can stay on campus and play because guess what? That's your bubble. Yep. Hold up. Hold up. So does what I was talking about last week make sense now? Now that you got all these empty dorms, you put these kids in these dorms that can house the entire football team, and then you bust them back and forth? Here's the, pro- Here's the problem with that. I mean, like, if you lock that down, you have to, like, literally lock it down. Like, you can't – I mean, I get the bubble aspect of it, to be honest. If the kids are not in school, then it kind of makes your it does make it as a makeshift bubble. But there's got to be like very strict restrictions there. Like you can't leave that university whatsoever. And you telling people that they can't leave a university or who's to say, you know, I mean, there will have to be some really strict rules in play. And but, but think about it. Look what UNC just did. And then I, I speak on West Virginia because I still see stuff that, you know, whatever. West Virginia only allowed their freshmen, seniors, and postgraduates. And we all know seniors and postgraduates live off campus. That means there's a ton of open dormitories where these cats can stay and be isolated. And I know West Virginia is not the only school who thought on that level. Hold so, up, who's West Virginia letting back on campus? You said um, seniors? Freshmen, freshmen, seniors, and postgraduates. <laughs> <laughs> okay, say that again. Who's on campus? Freshmen. Stop right there. Uh, and it's good. You, you it's know good. I'm going with you know I'm going with this, right? But, but you're trying to tell me that the the athletic director and the university and the presidents can't get together and say, like, for example, at West Virginia, because I'm familiar, I went there, Towers is right next to medical where the football stadium is on the medical campus. But there's also some other dorms and some other type of living facilities that are right there on medical campus that is brand new. You trying to tell me that you can't move, if freshmen were trying to go there, put the freshmen in other dorms that are on other parts of the campus and leave that little bubble that's right next to the football stadium for the football team. You trying to tell me that's not doable. All I want to know is, is when is the welcome back party going to happen? They already had it. And they're trying to expel the asses. <laughs> Look, you got an undrafted Seattle Seahawks player sneaking in some booze. <laughs> Dressed in in a Seattle Seahawks outfit. You mean to tell me that all these college football players out there ain't going to try to sneak in some young, stupid-ass freshmen up in the campus? You mean to tell me some young, stupid, not knowing what behind the ear freshman girls are going to try to... Come on. Really? You would have had me if you would have said sophomore. But freshmen, come on. You know how that is. They're going to be like, it's open season. Well, you Matt, know, and I know. <laughs> Don't sit. Come on, Ace. That's why he can't. You come on. Ain't nothing else he can say at that point. 
No argument, man. There's no oh, argument. Oh, then, I okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I understand, and 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 all things being equal and good and gravy, yes. But you're gonna tell me you're gonna have these college football players up there for the next, you know, basically fall. Nothing but a whole bunch of freshmen. Freshmen go running around again. Well, unlike the security for the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> need to make it so that that won't happen on your university. I'm not saying it's impossible because we all know men have a way of thinking to do whatever they need to do and think whatever is right. Even but that, what that um, Jay-Z and um, R. Kelly song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we know that power. <laughs> but yeah, we knew that power when we was in, we was in high school. Come on now. <laughs> Upward bound. <laughs> all, all, all I'm saying is, I'll drink to that. All I'm saying is, what, what is, because I, I saw something on ESPN where one of the captains from Ohio State was on ESPN making that petition early in, and he said that look. I understand the sacrifice, and I understand this is a three or more, three or four month sacrifice. But this is what we're willing to sacrifice in order to sit there and play this season. The question will be: Will those players at any campus, at any school of the seventy-six teams that are playing, are they willing to sacrifice to play? To be, that's what they need. If if the whole team is in agreement, then it shouldn't be a problem. But at least be a point where you're vocal about it. Like it shouldn't be one or two players um, from a uh, from a, a college football team saying this. Like it should be like we all stand in solidarity that we feel as though that we know we understand the risk, we understand what is going on, but we feel as though that this is important to us and we're willing to risk our safety to continue to play college football. If they was all in solidarity, then it wouldn't be a problem because everybody's in agreement of what it is that they want to do. So I think that. Whether it's a petition or them coming together vocally, like that should be an agreement where everybody that's on that team is okay with. And if that's the case, then it shouldn't be a problem where other college football teams can move forward. Until that happens, everything is going to be hearsay. He says, you know, hearsay at this stage. One player may say this, but another player may feel differently. One player, you know, Trevor Lawrence is saying, yeah, we feel as though we could take the risk. But there may be another team member that's saying, hey, hold on, he don't speak for me. So there's got to be something where everybody's in agreement. And once they're in agreement, if that's what they want to do, then the colleges that are, are, that are trying to do this or put this together can put something around them where they can at least be in a bubble or however they want to handle it going forward. But there's got to be some communication there. Nobody's not saying anything. Again, the lack of communication in this, in, in this regard. There has to be some solidarity behind the communication. Yeah, and I think that even, you know, the point, even what North Carolina did, I think the NCAA um, is really nervous because that basically flies in the face. You're basically saying pretty much we understand that these are athletes, not necessarily student athletes. We can have everybody else off campus, but we're going to keep the athletes on campus. Um, now, they can say whatever they want to say. What well, just creates the best bubble? But, yeah, if it's not safe for the student body, why is it more safer for the kids? And just like Justin Fields or even um, um, 
Trevor Lawrence said, well, I feel more safe where I'm at. Granted, they can keep you in a bubble for the most part. And because people like Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, and guys that are have, you know, first round, second round, third round draft grades are not going to be more willing to do it. What about them kids at the low end of the roster? Exactly. You, know, you have, what, 80-some-odd people on the team. What about the guy that knows he ain't starting, the freshman that's coming in, knows he's like the second or the third person to back up? He ain't playing. So is he going to have the same emphasis to be locked down as because he doesn't really have anything to lose as opposed to some of these guys that are going to be going in the draft that are seniors and juniors that have a lot to lose. So he might not be willing to abide by the rules, but I agree with you, Ace. What you said before last week, yes. If they want to do that, the only way to create the bubble is to get everybody off campus except the student-athletes and let them play. However, then you open up another box, and you have to admit that these are student-athletes, these are paid, these are employees, mm -hmm. and you got to pay them. And neither the NCAA nor the Power Five conferences really want to go down that rabbit hole. You got to pay them and give them insurance. Yeah, without question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I turn around and pay the ass if they get sick. You know, federal 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 law mandates that if somebody were to get corona, you know, infected with corona while while working during their regular nine to five, they dare to get paid for eighty hours worth of uh, regular pay while being sick. They ain't trying to do that for them players. They, <laughs> what what are they doing for them sitting on the sideline? Nothing. True. Which is why I don't think – I think some schools might try to pull that off, but the NCAA will probably come to the power conferences and be like, knock it off. We can't have that because you guys are opening up the Pantura box and we don't want to go down that road. Mm -hmm. Hence the whole lack of communication from the NCAA because I don't think they really know what to expect at this stage because it seems as though that every scenario for them is not going to be pretty for them. Well – NCAA, from my understanding, really never had any autonomy over the over football, but I guarantee they're going to do everything they power to make sure that that damn uh, uh, March Madness is going to take off for both men's and women's. I guarantee that's going to take off without a hitch. They're going to figure out a way. <laughs> they lost a lot of money, and they can't have that again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Ah, but before we go, I want to move on to some more interesting news from the NFL. Um, the Washington, well, the Washington football team, formerly known as the Washington Redskins, has hired um, Jason Wright to be their new president, making him the first um, black, black team president. Um, and this comes after all the sexual scandals, harassments, and accusations that came about. Um, just to give you some credentials out there, um, he spent seven years as a running back in the NFL, played for San Francisco 49ers, Falcons, Cleveland Browns, and Cardinals. Has NBA, his MBA, and um, has worked with some global consulting companies um, in the U.S. But he is going to be the first um, black man to be a president of a NFL franchise team. Um, he's going to be tasked with doing two things. A, trying to right the ship um, that is the Washington football team, and two, try to bring a little bit more, how do you want to call it? Um, 
cultural sensitivity <laughs> to the team. So, guys, what do you think about this hire by the um, Washington football team? And do you think this moves the needle or the barometer of how this, um, obviously, Redskins, but the team is viewed as a whole? Uh, uh, Dan Snyder is uh, following the sensitivity rule book play-by-play and is uh, doing everything that he needs to do right to make it seem like everything is good. Uh, From, I don't know the young lady's name, I do apologize, but the young lady that he hired for uh, uh, vice president of marketing, I believe she was, marketing and journalist, I believe, not journalist, but uh, marketing and communication, excuse me. It was a, a, a woman that he hired a couple weeks ago now he went ahead and hired a black man to be the president of the uh, of the team. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's doing what he needs to do to make sure that he's seen differently. But it's still Dan Snyder. You know, if stuff don't go his way in two or three years, he he gets those people out of there and brings somebody else. So is this just face? Just to say, yeah, I know I screwed up. Yeah, I did all these things wrong. Let me go ahead and do the right thing now, keep my squad. And when it doesn't work, because I didn't think it was going to work to begin with, go back to what I thought would work. Or is this the, the trend in the culture or something? Uh, I tend to hold judgment, but my gut tells me it's the prior that he's just doing what he needs to do to save face and to keep a hold of his team. Because even the minority owners are sitting there trying to get him to sell because they don't think that he's doing what he needs to do to be right and true to the organization. So that's just my two cents. Um, I'm, I completely agree with you, Ace. Um, I think he's just trying to keep the status quo. He's just basically trying to fix, keep his, keep the team above water. Um, he did this as just, like you said, I don't think it was what he intended but because of the backlash and everything, he had to do what he had to do. Um, Dan Snyder is still Dan Snyder, like you said, and I completely agree. Um, but I will say this. Um, it's amazing what you can do when you hold your people's feet to the fire, so to speak. So um, even though this was done to, do, to, to take his feet off the fire, I think that it should be the start of what other, peop- other teams – I think other teams should be watching this. Um, because if you could, if you do the things necessarily, what's the word I'm looking for? If you do the things the right way, if you do the things that you're supposed to do, if you do the things, there, there's going to be time now that teams now, owners is going to look at this as an opportunity to maybe start bringing in, hopefully bringing more diversity into the, to the, to the mix for the football teams. Um, me personally, I don't think it's going it's to be a, a while before, something else comes into play where another team does it, but at least this is the start of something. So I'm not going to be mad at it, but like I said, I'm not going to take it with a grain of salt, but I am going to say that this is still Dan Snyder. So Dan Snyder to me, this is not a a kudos thing. This is just him doing what needs to be done. Yeah. I want you guys. I like it and I don't like it. The higher, I like the higher, I like the opportunity for a person of color to be in that position, a president of a football team. I don't like how 
the circumstances and the environment of how he got the job because yeah. we don't we're not sure if that was genuine or what like you said ace it was just trying to cover his asses or maybe the rest of the owners told him look you need to hire somebody of color as your president so you can take the, not only the heat off of you but nobody's looking at us you know about who we hire and don't hire so i was probably a little bit of both um i hope he does good i hope this leads to more hires um i hope he's able to um change the culture he has a lot of work ahead of him daniel Snyder is going to be the main person if daniel Snyder stays out of his way um then that'd be good um but i also want to you know i also want to send a message to the players you you had an opportunity with the new marketing agreement. Now I understand that the coronavirus made you guys probably jump the gun when you didn't necessarily need to do it because you were worried about what the salary cap is going to be next year. You're worried about the monies, TV deals and all that stuff. However, um, you saw what happened to Daniel Snyder. All those changes happened because money. Mm-hmm. All these owners, all these owners worry about and concerned about and change the effect is the bottom line is about the dollar. And when you in their pockets, that's when they're going to change stuff. You can do all the protests and you can do all the crying about the contracts and salary cap and what you're getting. But until you're doing what the Major League Baseball did and what the NBA players did, when you're willing to cut off a whole season and lockout and cost these owners money, they're not going to do anything. You saw what happened when all the minority owners and you saw what happened to FedEx Amazon, everybody's pulling the stuff off of the, the shows that was all rushing the Redskins. When you start going in Daniel Snyder's and those owners' pockets, then it will change. Outside of that, they're just going to sit there and say, you need the money more than I need the money. But when you start withholding these services and they can't get nobody to play, mm-hmm. that's when they're going to come to the table and actually get a fair deal. You lost your shot. You won't get another CBA for another 10 years. But I say to all the players or all the future players, if you want to get a better deal, you got to be willing to go into these owners' pockets because that's all they respect is the dollar, dollar bill. Yo. Wow, question. Yep. <laughs> and on that note, uh, we're coming about our time, fellas. So uh, um, let them know where they can find you at. You can find me on Twitter, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, I am Al Qualls. Twitter, Instagram, I am Al Qualls. And you can find me Twitter, Twitter, the Graham, Snapchat, J.E. Ross, number seven. Uh, so, like, we want to just thank everybody for uh, subscribing, sending us your questions, sending us your comments, sending us your feedback about the podcast. And as always, peace, love, and soul. See you next week. Justice for Brianna Taylor. Shouldn't have to keep saying this. Here.